Welcome, everyone, to PJ's Ponderings Season 2, Episode 1. As we get ready to start this next season, uh, we're going to be starting with what I think is really a foundational element of leadership. Um, And that can be leadership in the home, leadership of your own life, or leadership in ministry as a pastor or a leader. And so we're going to talk about today the idea of leading from connection. So as we begin that, I just thought of this question. Have you ever gone to use something, but it wasn't connected or plugged in? Now, I can remember so many different times in my own life where this has happened to me. In fact, just recently, (laughs) I needed to charge my phone. I went to set it on the Surface Charger in my office, and it wasn't working. So I sat, I fiddled with it, I unplugged the cord from the back of the Surface Charger. I put my phone on it, and then took it off, and put it back on, and took it off. Honestly, probably about eight times, and I sat kind of perplexed, leaned back in my chair, and then I realized that it was not connected to the power source. I had disconnected it uh, maybe the week before to plug something else in to be able to utilize it. And this is really something that uh, we can apply in a lot of different contexts with a lot of different things. If a hose is not hooked up to the spigot, right? Like you can try and spray water all you want, but there's nothing that will come out of it. If you have guitar strings, guitar strings are great, but they don't do much unless they are attached to the guitar, the thing that they were designed for. Life honestly is this way. I think parenting in a lot of ways is similar. And I think leadership really does fall in a similar vein or on the same line. Now, I I think it's important, obviously, as we're talking about leadership, in, in this case, kind of from a Christian perspective, that we look at what the scripture says. So we'll, we'll read a scripture here, and then we'll unpack a little bit more deeply. John 15, if you want to open up, we're reading the first few verses. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. This is the words of Jesus to his disciples and those who were listening. And and what he's telling us really when it comes down to it is that connection is crucial. Connection to the right thing will create the culture where complete joy and fruitfulness is found. But transversely, connection to the wrong thing will kill culture and it will diminish your joy and your fruitfulness. So what does that look like in leadership, in life, in parenting? We have to do the hard work to separate the behavior from the source or the root. And this is something that uh, having gone through some training with foster care um, and and having done adoption uh, within our family, this is something that you learn. And and it's very true. It's very applicable. But um, as a parent, what we see as negative behaviors or what we might perceive as that are most often rooted in a need that that child has or maybe a perceived need of the child. Sometimes a perceived need may not seem realistic or relevant or true from our perspective, but it is very true and needed from the child's perspective. So we have to look at the fruit. We have to look at what we can see, examine it honestly, truthfully, and then see what that's connected to, to try and really figure out what is the root issue or the source so that we can really address it properly. In ministry, that could be a student or a leader that's participating in unfavorable ways. They're doing things that they should not be doing that are not in line with the gospel and what God has called us to. That could be gossip. It could be harshness towards others. It could be a lack of desire to serve. It could be a number of different things. What 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 we do is when we only look at the behavior it only gives us so much information. Uh, and so what we should do instead is is not just look at the behavior, but really look and, and dig deeper to trace it back to what that behavior is presenting about the state of their heart, the state of their mind. And that really on the next level down is telling us about the state of their belief or misbelief about something in relation to who God is and who they are as a child of God. That could be anxiety and nervousness, right? That to an extent is demonstrating a lack of trust in who God is, who he's called us to be, and his ability to follow through on the promises that he has given us. Um, you know, fear is is not trusting that God's going to provide in a certain way. And so if we just look at, oh, they're anxious and so I need to comfort them and leave it at that, then we're actually missing the the heart of the issue. We're missing the best way that we might be able to help that particular person. Now, as we look at this scripture uh, in, in Luke 
chapter 15, there's a couple things that I think are worth pointing out and discussing. Now, uh, first of all, that we have branches that are not bearing fruit. He tells us that the gardener will come in and cut off any branch that is not bearing fruit. And that I mean, tells us that it is likely that we have branches that are not bearing fruit. We have things in our lives that are not in line with God's heart, desire, and design for our life that need to be cut off, that need to be removed. And this section of scripture is also teaching us that we can actually become more fruitful. Now, this reminds me not just from this scripture, talking about the idea of pruning, cutting something back to endorse and promote deeper growth um, to produce then more fruit. But there's also other scriptures that talk about the idea of refining, that, that God's spirit is like a refining fire that is purifying us, right? So that is crucial because... Um, I think sometimes we can have this false ideology that as I step into what God has for me, that it's going to become easy in some fashion or sense. But the truth is, is that God never promises that. What he is telling us, even in this scripture, Luke 15, is no, like, there's going to be some hard things that you have to address and face and deal with. There's going to be a pruning, a cutting that is going to cause some pain on the short term, but long term will produce fruitfulness in our life as it is removing things that do not need to be there. So how then do we determine what needs to be pruned? And how do we prune? Right? Like that that question tells us like we need a master gardener. We need somebody who understands what our life is like, just like a gardener understands the different types of plants and how they ought to grow. And he knows exactly where to cut to produce the most growth and promote the best level of fruitfulness. God is like that master gardener in our life spiritually, where he can come in and he knows exactly the areas where we are prideful, exactly the areas that we might carry shame and guilt, the areas where we're anxious and fearful. And he knows exactly how to push on those things, how to cut those things out. Um, and that could be cutting people out, cut, cutting bad habits out, uh, reforming the way that we think. But it is in this pruning that only God can do, we cannot do it on our own, that allows us to be cleaned up in a sense. It allows us to be freshened up and to uh, be positioned to have the best growth and fruitfulness. Now, the second thing that uh, I think is interesting that is stated so clearly by Luke is that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing good. That's what it is telling us. Verse five, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. This then tells us that only in our consistent connection with Jesus can we do anything of value for the kingdom. We can fake our way and get some things done. We can lead uh, a group. We can perform and deliver a sermon or, or sing well on a worship team. But when it is done apart from Jesus, there is nothing of benefit that comes from that. And so we have to be connected. We have to lead from connection 
with the Lord in order to do things that are in alignment with his will, in alignment with the kingdom that he is creating and has created. Number three, he mentions and emphasizes to remain in him, to remain in him. And I think that that is interesting wording. I don't think that's maybe how we would talk about it in 2023 as we sit. But when we look at the original language, I always love going back. um, And this is something I'm learning to do more is to go back and just reference what was the uh, original Greek and Hebrew. Uh, I particularly love using Strong's Concordance. Um, And when we look at that, there are numerous definitions for that word remain. To remain in God, to remain in Jesus means to abide in him. It means not to depart. It means to continually be present. It means to be kept by and to be held by him. It is also meaning not to perish. It means to endure and to last, to survive and to live, to remain as one and to not become another or different, right? So there's a whole lot packed into that one little phrase, remain in me, live in me, survive in me, endure in me, be held by me. And so Jesus is telling us again that we can't do this on our own. We need to remain in and abide in him to not depart from him. Number four um, that comes to mind is that you are appointed. It tells us uh, towards the end of that section we read in Luke 15, you are appointed. Why? I always love asking the question and pausing and say, okay, but why am I appointed? And thankfully, the author gives us the answer right on the tail end. He says, you are appointed so that you might go and bear fruit. That we are appointed by God, not just to be his, not just to be loved by him, to be held by him, to be cared for by him, but really that is kind of step one, I guess I would say, is like we do need to be caught up in Jesus. We need to be, I mean, just completely in love with him, enamored by him and his call on our life. We need to be so caught up and in love and in wonder of Jesus and his call on our life that we would be willing to say yes to whatever he asks us to do, right? Like that sense of reverence for him that really would drive us to a place of love and a place of obedience. Um, he, he says no greater love than to lay one's life down for his friends. It is no greater love that you would go and bear fruit. There's no better way for you and I to demonstrate the love of Jesus in our lives and through our lives than to be loved by him, but then to go and live that out to others in our life. And I I believe that we so often narrow our perspective and I, I guess the scope of what that actually means. And we generally speaking, we tend to limit that to the people that we go to church with and the people that we are comfortable and share the same values as when in reality, as we look at the life of Jesus, he often, actually very often, spent intentional time with people that were 
completely outside of his circle, completely outside of the culturally accepted groups. You know, we we just in the last couple of weeks, uh, as part of the Mosaic Youth Group that I get the privilege of serving uh, within as the youth pastor, we've been discussing these times where Jesus has sat down at the table with sinners, people that culturally were outcast, were looked down upon. And this last week, we looked at Jesus calling the disciple, the apostle Matthew, who was a tax collector of that day. He was ridiculed. He was disliked, even hated by some because he chose to work for the Roman government, who was the oppressive force who was over the Israelite people in that time. And what we see is he calls Matthew to follow him. And Matthew, in a moment, drops everything that he has, all of the success, all of the progress that he's made in this position, and he leaves it all behind so that he can follow this person, Jesus. And immediately on the tail end of that, Matthew is inviting Jesus to his home. And this religious leader, this teacher of the law, Jesus, would never be expected um, to go into the home of Matthew. It would be looked down upon. He would have been ridiculed. And that's actually what we see happen in the story, Matthew chapter 9, is the Pharisees come and they ask the disciples of Jesus, why is he eating with these low lives? Why is he eating with the scum of our society? Jesus, in his love and in his wisdom, overhears it and just says, hey, I have not come for you. I, uh, uh, healthy people do not need a physician. I have come for the sick. And, uh, and he tells them right then and there, like, you need to go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. So it is this balance that he's pushing back on, that it's not just making sacrifices to the Lord. It is teamed with having deep compassion for the people of God, which is every living human being. They may look different than you. They may live very different from you. They may have different values. They may live a life that is anything but honoring to God. But yet God says to go and love them. He tells us in James 1 that our true and proper religion is to go and care for the widow and the orphan. He he tells us, over and over through the scriptures that the first will be last to love God with all that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't dictate or, or define what that word neighbor necessarily means. It is an open-ended who's next to you, who's near you, who is around you at any given time. And how can you be the reflection of Jesus to that person or to those people? So in a, in a culture today that is so just so critical, that is so explosive and and so polarizing. We are called to be people of peace. We are called to be people of balance who demonstrate and live out this love and this fruitfulness, as Luke is describing, amongst the world. It is that we would have this in-depth, incredibly loving connection with God the Father, and that that incredibly loving connection with God the Father would lead us to connection and loving relationship with those around us, and that as the Father is pruning and helping us to guide our thoughts, um, that we would be able to do what Jesus did, to get outside of the cultural norms, to get outside of this polarization and this conflict-driven offense 
immediate driven culture to say, yeah, you're different than me. Yeah, you live in a way that maybe I don't agree with or don't support, but yet God loves you. And so I will too. Yet God has made a way for you back into relationship and that God has made a way for you back into relationship with him. And therefore I will do whatever I can to help you in that process of coming to know who God the father is. So connection is crucial. Connection with God is a prerequisite to ever being able to be fruitful for God. The scripture tells us that if we are not connected and living in unison with him and connection with him, that we are like a branch that is cut and thrown away and withering, dying, thrown into the fire and burned. But he affirms again, if you remain in him, if you choose to abide and to not depart from him, that he will be with us and that he will provide for us. He will prune and he will shape and he will guide and challenge us in ways that are so, so healthy. And we have to do the thing of humbling ourselves. We have to do the work of humbling ourselves before the Father so that he can actually do that work. If we're too prideful to admit that we are hesitant to talk to certain people, too prideful to admit that we don't like the way people act or think or speak or live, uh, and that we have a, a nervousness or an apprehension about it, if we can't be real enough with God or honestly with ourselves to admit those things, we will never be able to be this example to the world that he has created us to be. So we have to, it comes back again to the, Uh, this idea that Jesus shared with the disciples that we have to take up our cross and deny ourselves and follow him. So it it is this, this consistent daily choice to deny myself, to sacrifice my way, my thought, my thinking, and to connect with him and abide in him so that I can then be adequately fruitful and used by him to reach the world as he calls us to do in the Great Commission. So connection has to happen. We have to lead out of the abundance of what God is providing. If we are connected to the vine, if we are connected to the root system, which is Jesus and his teaching, um, then we are able to have what we need to become fruitful people, fruitful parents who love our children the way that Jesus loves us, fruitful leaders who can guide people towards the true Jesus, who challenges the heck out of us, who pushes us beyond our limits so that we can rely on God the Father. So we need to lead from connection and stay in tune and in uh, in connection to the vine for us to be able to lead as a parent, as a friend, as a ministry leader, it is always leading from the overflow of the connection that we have with the Father. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you guys in a couple weeks as we tackle our next subject, which is the idea of modesty within the church. And I'm excited to talk about just some of the challenges and uh, things that we should be thinking about and talking about when it comes to that. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.